welcome. You're listening to the Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast with Chris Dempsey. Hey guys, welcome to episode eight, Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast. I'm Chris Dempsey, your host again. Um, thanks so much, everybody, for checking it out, tuning in. I'm having an awesome time. I love doing this, and uh, I've been getting great feedback. Seems like people are digging it, so cool. Um, please feel free to reach out. Let me know anything, ideas, questions, comments. Uh, wouldn't it be cool podcast at gmail.com. Wouldn't it be cool on Instagram and wouldn't it be cool on Facebook? Um, that's about it for that homework. Um, yeah, episode eight. Today's guest is Ryan Bedard. Uh, he is, first of all, such a cool dude. We had a really cool conversation and it was finally awesome just to get to meet this guy. Like, we had met before. I knew who he was. I knew him, but uh, never really got to sit down and, and chat with him. And uh, he lived up to all I thought he would. Just a really good guy. He owns uh, Mr. Fox Composting, a very good, conscious uh, company doing good stuff. He owns uh, Papa Wolf Supply Company, which is kind of like a retail store of, um, mostly American made goods, uh, clothing, uh, motorcycle accessories. He has a barbershop inside there. Um, really cool spot. I dig it. Uh, he's just doing it right. And we're going to meet him and hear how he's doing it right. He's got a couple kids. Um, just kind of that uh, conscious entrepreneur the world needs more of. So uh, sit back, enjoy, meet Ryan. Welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're here. Um, so anyway, I was going to tell you why I wanted you here, or I wanted to be here, maybe it's more like it. I'm sitting in Ryan's office. Um. Yes, it's a cool office though. Thanks. This is cool. Thanks a lot. I like this. It's kind of ex- almost like exactly what I pictured. <laughs> You're like above the store, and I picture the bat cave. I even pictured the low ceiling. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. The tiny windows with the spider webs. Yeah. Oh, those. Oh, those are cool. Yeah. I mean, it adds character to the brick, right? It really does. Those are like little brick ovens. Mm-hmm. You could be mm-hmm. cooking uh, muffins in those. <laughs> Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> um, so. Um, Really, to be completely transparent, um, I wanted to talk to you because I'm jealous, man. I'm jealous of you. I didn't even know you yet, and I was jealous of you. Oh, I was like, on. who the hell is this Ryan guy? <laughs> who is this Ryan guy? What the fuck's he doing? Um, I think I heard about you. Um, I want to say it was maybe even before Mr. Fox, um, but maybe right as it started. It's yeah, I think you confusing. reached out when we started, around the time when we started. Yeah, and then uh, and then the one thing I'm confused about, 
what you one of the one of the things that you do and this is one of the things one of the first things i heard that you were doing and i was like that's so freaking cool like i want in or i want to have already thought of that and done it um was and you're gonna have to sort of like pick up when i get really confused about what i'm trying to explain yeah yeah but the cooperative business office space. oh yeah yeah right uh, so it was called uh the cog yeah. and this is something that was going on um, all over the country, but mainly in major cities uh, and like were New you, York. And so you were part of the COG. You were Yeah, I, I, well, I was one of the co-owners or business owners of it. It really yeah. wasn't, you know, it was more of a community business. It wasn't like a, you know, profitable business yeah. venture. Um, but, but the idea was uh, we share a collaborative office space. Yeah. Um, COG stood for a collaborative office group. And the idea was we share in the cost of internet, this the space itself. Um, we have a shared conference room, and then you get a bunch of like-minded businesses okay. in one space. And we would have weekly meetings okay. to talk about the challenges each business owner was facing. Right and what that did was it it made it so I think generally as a small business owner, um, especially really small businesses like five to ten employees, yeah, yeah. you tend to have your blinders on. Yep. And you don't really get a chance to get outside perspective. So the idea was when you went to the meeting and you asked, you know, were asked what your challenge for that week was, you would say, well, I'm having a challenge with hiring or I'm having a challenge right. with, uh, you know, uh, how to pay my employees. You know, someone yeah. in that room could give you their experience. So right. it, was, it was really effective in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we ended up shutting it down after several years just because it was a really hard business in Dover to keep running because you needed to spend a decent amount of money to make it look really nice. Mm -hmm. And, um, you kind of have to have a larger population we found. So it was tough to do it. Um, and why is that? Why, why did it need a larger popula population? There's not a whole lot of telecommuting. Um, there's not a whole lot of small, like, business owners in right, the area that right, right, really right. need right. office space. Like we that found type of business. that type of, yeah, yeah sure. they'll, they'll get a small individual office or they'll work from home. Yeah. And so we found over the several years we were doing it, uh, a decent amount of turnover. Um, so we just decided it was, it was time to kind of yeah. let it go. But there are a couple, uh, now in Portsmouth that have started up and I think those will probably do really good. All right, yeah. And what was your business? when you were part of that cog, part of the cog in Dover? Um, when I was part of the original cog, it was just um, Mr. Fox composting. Okay. Right. It was based out of there. Oh, okay. um, when we did the, when we moved downstairs um, and opened up the new space, um, we launched uh, Papa Wolf Supply mm -hmm. Co. out of there because it was this really awkward eight by 17. Uh, we call mm. it a shoe box space yeah, that had a cool space. It was a cool uh, space. Yeah. Super cool. Had a, a door that opened up to the hallway and, and it was just, you know, it wasn't really suited for an office space, yeah. but we knew it could be a retail space. So yeah. that kind of started the ball right. rolling with that. Right. Right on. Yeah. That was cool. I wonder if it, it would have been, um, when you were describing part of it, it would have been, it was something I exactly like I needed when I was doing my gym, when I was like trying yeah. to run my gym. Cause it was, it was exactly what you were saying. I was a, I was a one man show yeah. trying to run a business. So my problem, I would have come to the meeting and said, uh, my problem is my challenge this week was just lifting my head up yeah, and you know, and like seeing anything other than like what I'm doing right this very second. You know, I, I mean? think that's is, a huge part of, I mean, everyone looks at, 
small business owners from the outside and they're like, oh, that guy's got it made. Yeah. But yeah. we all go through our ups and downs. And when it's down, it's real down. Yeah. And, and I think the thing that I was told early on from other business owners in the community was, um, you know, hook up with the small business development center, you know, at a UNH or, right. you know, make sure you have mentors or people in yeah. your life. You can bounce things off of my grandfather's a huge one oh, cool. because when you're in that down spot, you have to be able to call someone yeah. or meet with someone and tell them how you're feeling and they have to put it into perspective yeah. for you and say, look at how far you've yeah, come. Yeah. And like, this is normal. just, this is normal. Yeah. I yeah. went through this, this, and that. And yeah. then you can kind of work yourself yeah, yeah, back yeah. up and you say, okay, okay, yeah, I'm exactly. going to get through this. Exactly. But that is it's tough to go at it alone. Yeah. it's. I mean, that was my problem. Yeah. When I was trying to just like literally go at it alone. Yeah. And no team. Yep. And uh, not for any particular reason. It was more, I think I just started too fast without too, without enough of a plan. Yeah. And then it was just like, okay, go. And now you're just going. Yeah. And then it's like, you just no time to look back. I mm-hmm. was training people from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m five days a week. I think it's a tough part of being a small business and being like a single yeah. person, you know, yeah. single owner entrepreneur is that you're, you're very much just dialed in and going with the flow. And, yeah. and if planning isn't a strong suit, right. which long-term planning has never been a strong suit of mine, you have to get help with things like yeah. that, yeah. you know, yeah. and that just makes you better. Yeah. You know, I being know. able to admit that you're not good at a certain thing in your business and being able to lean on, someone else's expertise, whether it's planning or financial, um, forecasting, you know, it's, it's, it's key. Yeah. And that's my, that's my sort of tactic now with all the stuff I'm kind of working on now is like, okay, first build a team. Yeah. First get the strengths for my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. So, um, then tell us about Mr. Fox. So yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're about seven years old now. Um, and it started out as two guys, uh, my buddy Marcel, who's no longer part of the business, but we're still good friends. Yeah. Um, we had, uh, well, I lived out west in San Francisco, and when I lived out west, I studied uh, permaculture. Mm-hmm. And now it's more of a known uh, word around the seacoast. Um, but when I came back, it wasn't really well known. Right. Um, San Francisco was, was a hub for that. They usually are. They're usually like 10 years ahead in, yeah. in the sustainability fields. So that's the reason why I moved out there. So, um, I'm sorry, is that where you did school? Yeah. So I, I, um, I didn't go out there specifically for school. I went out there specifically because I was tired of traditional schooling. I'd went to uh-huh. college I had been in the military for a time period and, uh, the traditional education system was too rigid for me. Mm -hmm. I was more of a creative, uh, emotional thinker. And so it didn't really connect. And so I I was just kind of tired. I kept hitting these walls. And so I heard this word sustainability, but there wasn't much happening at the time here. This was like 2006, 2007 ish. Um, I grew up in Kittery, Maine, And there wasn't really much going on. There wasn't really much continuing education in that field. And so I had heard about San Francisco being a hub uh, for sustainability. And so I said, you know what? Screw it. You know, I'm going to drive across country, save up some money. I got a friend to stay with. um, And I I just went for it. And so the roommate I ended up getting off of Craigslist (laughs) was a uh, fitness and wellness coach. Um, Young, young, young guy. Hmm. But 
when I was living with him, he was writing his first book and releasing it in China. You know, just like really like on it. His his mom was um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the villain in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, I've seen. I this guy's I name was was Harry Yuan. Was his name? Yeah. Really smart kid. Are you so still friends with him. We still talk. Yeah. He's he's on like um. The Amazing Race right now. Oh, no shit. Yeah, he's that's like a awesome. pretty big deal. Oh, that's so cool. Um, he does like a lot of video production and stuff. And so right I was meeting him when he was just uh, finishing up college and he was starting to take on clients. And so every, almost every night we were getting Netflix and we were watching documentaries. Mm. And then every Saturday we'd go down to the Ferry Building Farmer's Market and then he had a radio show uh, called I Heart Organic San Francisco and I came on one time as a guest and then I became the co-host oh, nice. and then I wrote a, a really funny jingle uh, for it. Um, <clears throat> so we, that was on uh, USF. Uh, that was a radio. Um, it was a university of San Francisco uh, radio station. That's and, so awesome. uh, you got so lucky. Like that's crazy. Your, your Craigslist. Room yeah. Room. Yeah. That's yeah. Like awesome. Yeah. That's so, so all, cool. all that happened and then we decided, you know what? Uh, let's start a company making t-shirts to say, I heart, you know, like the I Heart New York, yeah. but they said I Green Heart mm-hmm. Organic SF. And nice. so we started selling those and we started selling them everywhere and we sold hoodies and all this stuff. And then we decided to do, uh, turn the radio show into this interview series, which he was already doing, but we made it more formatted and we started interviewing local restaurant owners, oh, uh, local cool. farmers. Um, and so after doing that for uh, a while, we got invited to this uh, event in San Francisco and I decided to go to represent uh, iHeart Organic San Francisco. Your first entrepreneurial venture, it sounds like too, right? Am I? Yeah, yeah I, I guess we yeah, could yeah, say, that's funny. yeah, I was kind of getting a taste for it. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was pretty fun. Yeah. It was more of like a, there wasn't any money to be made and it was like a hobby, but it was like, it was a passion. Yeah, exactly. um, so I went to this event. I met this girl, Sarah, at the event. And then she asked me if I wanted to have a beer afterwards. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go have a beer. So after uh, the event, I had a beer with her and um, she told me, I was telling her I wanted to learn more. Like I was just like this sponge. I moved out there with the intention to just be open and learn everything I could. And, um, you know, watching the documentaries, going down to the Ferry Building Farmers market, Market, learning about sustainable meat practices, seeing all the organic farming, like just learning about why that was important. I was just like soaking it all in. So I said to her, I wanted to learn more about sustainability and she said have you ever heard of permaculture i said no what the hell is that like what are you talking about um she said well and at that point i had a monday through friday job she said well uh the course is on the weekend it's over six seven weeks if you do a work study you know they'll give you a discount on the program Mm -hmm. and i said you know what i'm gonna reach out so i called booked the course and like a few weeks later i started um And one of the first exercises they do in that course is they have you uh, keep a journal. And the journal is literally writing down everything you do. Like, I got up in the morning. This is what I did. I brushed my teeth. I used toilet paper. I used water. I uh, had coffee. I went to, I drove my car. So then you break down every step you took yeah no one wants to do that no no and and it made you uh hyper aware yeah but also scared but then also like holy shit yeah times a billion i can be a solution to the problem like holy shit the power is in my hands 
to make the change. Yeah. Um, so it was overwhelming. I mean, anyone yeah. that took On that several course. scales, I yeah. can just make just different decisions every day yeah. and, or I can start Mr. Fox. Yeah. It's just small, yeah. small steps, yeah. you know, you can take, but yeah. I mean, and the course is like it, permaculture as an umbrella, I, you know, the root word is permanent agriculture. I like to use this definition, um, best. If you were to buy a plot of land instead of just building haphazard, you know, just mm. like going for it, you would spend a year, mm on the site before building and see how every element interacts with the site. So the wind, the rain episodes, the the way the sun arcs, all those things. And what you would do is you would design to capture what's being created by the, you know, the earth sort of max benefits and, and least, um, least uh, footprint. Yeah. Yeah. So you can use that, you know, mindset in designing anything. If you're going to design a building, right. You know, how can I generate, how can I generate the least amount of waste? Yeah, or design a business. Design a business. How yeah. can I generate this? So it's just a more of a long-term, you know, planning approach where you're mm-hmm. thinking about it. Um, and when we took the course, you know, they covered composting toilets, how to make your own composting toilet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, solar power, uh, geothermal, um, the study of mushrooms, mycelium, uh, mycology rather, um, composting and, and, you know, on and on and on. And what really stuck out to me was waste. I, 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 mm. I think because I wasn't brought up, uh, with a family that focused on sustainability, um, I was hyper-focused on myself mm. and the, the impacts I was having as an individual. Right. And I felt through the course, that was the most important thing for me to change. And for people that, you know, mm. if you could change yourself, then so can you then you could change, you could be that ripple, you know, that, that stone in the palm where you can have that ripple effect where if I can be an example and do this and learn it for myself, then I can teach others how to do it. So it really got me focused on waste. Um, Uh, Not to interrupt, that's where I am now too. I'm really trying like my hardest to, you know, um, uh, for example, is one of the things, one of the small things I changed recently was I'll, I'll, I'll bring my toast and peanut butter in the car with me in the morning. And I used to put it down on a paper towel. I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Put it down on a friggin' plate, you know, and I just bring the plate and I bring it back and it's, that's got its own footprint, but so does life. Right. Yeah. But just like I have a towel in the kitchen instead of just like constantly grabbing paper towels and napkins. And you know, like mm-hmm. you see people like the takeouts just grabbing tons of napkins. Like sometimes if I'm at work, I don't even grab a napkin. I have a shirt that's filthy. Why do I need a yeah. napkin? You know what yeah. I mean? Just like little things like that. That's, that's sort of where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think that the, we have to obviously get away from being a throwaway society that's been made too easy. Mm. But I think a lot of people don't realize that those small choices they make on a daily basis have, uh, you know, a large impact. Yeah. You know, and so I think it, for me, it was focusing on small things, you know, small things we could do, you know, but there are things that I've learned, you know, when you start out, you're very punk rock when you're young. You're yeah. like, screw the man, the government can't help us, we gotta do this on your own. And then you get older and you're like, okay, when they're passing mandatory compost laws in Massachusetts and you know, bans for food waste in the landfill in Vermont, Thank you, um, you, you yeah. say, okay, people aren't gonna do this on their own. Right. You know, so you do need uh, the government to step in in certain instances yeah. so we can yeah. rescue the planet. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, no, that's a good point. 
So it's a, it is a balance, you know, but you can see where government can really help. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Um, so then, uh, yeah, where do we leave off? So I lived out in San Francisco for a year. Um, I ended up, um, I did the, uh, it was a permaculture design certificate is what it was. And then after the design tr- certificate, I went to um, uh, teacher training, and it was in Big Sur um, mm. at a place called Esalen, which is where all the old hippies used yeah, to go. Nice. But it was like one of the most amazing places I've ever been in my life. Um, natural hot springs on the cliff, yeah. looking out in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, you just I didn't want to. You just Stunning. didn't. Naked dudes playing the didgeridoo. <laughs> it was just <laughs> wild. Yeah, because yeah, everyone's yeah. naked. Yeah. And, yeah. You know? I'm not, you know, like I'm not used to that. Like, yeah. But everyone at the course and everyone that was doing yoga retreats that were there, because it's like this really beautiful big venue. They do yoga That's retreats fine. and teach training. Everyone's just naked. Nice. And like <laughs> a the, nudist school. Yeah, it was so wild. And then like, <laughs> like I'm, you know, brought up Christian, you know, New like, England. Yeah, New England, like super rigid. Yeah, like, we uh, we keep our clothes on here. In New yeah, England. <laughs> yeah. But dude, dude, it was like it was weird, dude. Dude playing the didgeridoo, and I just like I just you know I just got into it. I was just like, yeah. all right. I'm naked. Right. I'm looking out on the ocean. This is amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so that's it was so a great fun. way to kind of segue into coming home yeah. back to New England. And with, a, so, with, a, with a pretty fresh like outlook, a pretty nice. Yeah, like, it was a year. Deep, I mean, deep breath. I, I, oft, I, I say I often say like basically that year of education was was more mm. education than I'd had up to that point. Yeah. In the previous years of schooling, like that was just amazing yeah yeah. you know i was reading like osho you know like zen buddhism stuff like just really just like loved it there just like great place uh lived out in the outer richmond they call it the fog belt i was commuting by bike Mm. seven miles each way Mm -hmm. just like really great lifestyle and so um it's hard to do that here isn't it i don't i it's disappointing how hard it is to live on i i used when i got back because we lived in portsmouth and then we lived yeah. in Kittery. I could do it. Yeah. I rode all winter long, dude. Yeah. I had all yeah. the gear. Um, but it's dangerous and it's crazy. And I've had friends, you know, on the old bridge go down and you oh, know, yeah, jam yeah. their fingers in the grates and no, cut them no, up. No, no, no. Um, walk, walk if it's winter. Yeah, it's don't, bad. Don't it's not as easy with the weather. But I mean, out yeah. there, it just got somewhat cold and foggy, but never snow, slush. Always, always rideable. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I moved back east. Uh Winter, dead of winter, like November, December time, no jobs. Just real, <laughs> it's just like hammered right into like depression. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh shit, why'd I leave? What have I done? Um, and I um, started looking for jobs and I realized quickly that I wasn't going to find, like the job I had before, so to, so, to, so to back up everyone that took the course, the permaculture course quit their jobs if they weren't working in that space. Right. If they weren't working towards doing something to better themselves and better the environment, mm-hmm. they quit. Mm-hmm. And so I got a job, uh, and this only would only happen in San Francisco. Right. I got a job <laughs> working for a landscaping crew that did all of its jobs by bicycle. Oh, nice. So I was biking through San Francisco. With a little trailer, um, probably. No, no, they had a truck. They had they kept a lot of the stuff at the sites yeah. they managed. Yeah. And then on the big jobs, a truck, a little Ford Ranger truck would come by. Right. And that was it. Drop off something and take off. Yeah. Everyone traveled back and forth on bikes. That's yeah. Awesome. And then like, uh, you know, the like first week, 
we went into the San Francisco Botanical Gardens and these guys are just passing around uh, a joint because it's San Francisco yeah. and we're learning plant identification. Oh. Just like, this is, what is happening? And I'm getting this paid is, for this. This is weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I did that and then I moved back. So coming back and looking for jobs, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to find um, <laughs> that something in that space, you know, like yeah, that wasn't yeah. going to happen here. And so that was kind of the harsh reality of not living in a place like San Francisco where there are so many companies focused on sustainability. There wasn't really much happening here still. So there wasn't a whole lot of job opportunity. Mm. So, um, I saw a listing for a bake, uh, bakery position at me and always to bake bread. Mm. I was like, you know what? I could do that. Mm. Get up early, need the bread. That's kind of peaceful. I, I'd be okay yeah. with that. So I didn't know where the bakery was because I'd never gone there before. And so I went to the downtown, me and Ollie's, that used to be on Pleasant Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's now a shoe place, I think. Yeah. Um, and I went and I asked the man, who looked like the manager, the guy behind the counter, you know, I was applying for this bakery position. He's like, oh, that's uh, at the Fresh Market. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just head over there. He's like, hey, wait, do you have key holder experience? I'm like, yeah, I've, I've managed. Key? Yeah, uh, key holder's a manager. So like an uh, assistant manager, you right, hold right. the key to open okay, and close. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, I said, yeah, I've I've done management before. He's like, oh, do you want to work here? Like, what, what would the job be? Just, you know, running the shop, you know, running the shop, uh, closing the down, you know, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Built out an application. <laughs> got hired. <laughs> yeah, fell into management. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I can well, no, I was, I was, I mean, when I was 16 years old, I was uh, managing uh, Weathervane Seafoods on Route oh, 1. God, yeah, yeah, so I, I was into it like... <laughs> That's how I started. Yeah, um, which is fun. The Canadians are fun there. Um, <laughs> the the uh, yeah the the RVs pull up Canadians uh, right? No, Traveling. not a whole lot of RVs. Just like people that just don't tip. I mean, it, oh, it's yeah. it's it's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. It's just a harsh reality when you're young and yeah. waiting tables on foreigners that just don't tip. Right. Um, I'm sure that's still the case. Uh, so I got the job there, and. Um, the manager ended up, le- I don't want to go into details on the manager, but the manager ended up leaving because he wasn't doing things properly there. Mm-hmm. It was kind of not mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. what he was mm-hmm. doing there. Sure. So uh, he left. Um, there was the assistant manager and me, and there was an opportunity um, to take the the manager job, the GM job there. And so I raised my hand. I was like, let's do this. you know. Right so I auditioned for it. I got the job. And as soon as I got the job, I was like, okay. Right, here's my chance. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And literally, the owner, Roger, every time he came in, I was like, what about this, 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 and this? Uh, and he's probably just like, who is this kid? <laughs> what have I done? But at that point, like, I am so yeah. aware. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm just looking at everything like x-ray vision. Like, I just see something, I'm like, that's trash. Right. That's trash. We could eliminate this, you right. know? And so, right. just little things like, okay, when someone comes and orders a sandwich... If they're walking right across the street, do they need a bag? Right. No, they don't. Right. So what if we ask them, do you need a bag? Right. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's what? A crazy thought. <laughs> what? <laughs> so we trained the, trained the staff to ask, you know, would you, do you need a bag? Yeah. Do you need Yeah, exactly. Bag? I was just going to say, not like, hey, do you want a bag? Would you like a bag? Do you need, and give them a little do you look. Need, do you need, do, do do you you need, need this bag? <laughs> do you need this bag? Um, same thing with coffee. I, you know, we had a very sparse selection of mugs, and I said to the owner, hey, can we just get some more mugs? He's like, yeah, sure. 
you know, are you having that for here mm-hmm. or to go? Right. Mug or paper cup. We also noticed when someone would get a bag because they wanted it, like you were saying earlier, um, I think it was off the mic, uh, when you walk up to the station, people would grab um, napkin and they would have a sandwich. And I would literally watch them just out of habit grab like a fork, knife, and spoon. Right. Throw it in with a sandwich. Right. Salt and pepper. Right. And you're just like, whoa, man, I want to watch you. Yeah, hey, I'm going to follow you now. I want to watch you eat that sandwich with the spoon with fork. <laughs> This would be going to be good, man. Maybe you got some kind of technique I've never seen before. He starts cutting them or he scoops it off. Just small pieces. I like to scoop out the hummus. I I scoop my bites. Yeah. Why are you judging me? I'm eating slow so I don't have gas. (laughs) Um, So uh, we said, okay, well, let's just eliminate, like leave the salt and pepper out, but let's eliminate the plasticware by bringing it to the back and then if they need it, they can just ask us, right. hey, can I get a fork? Yeah. And so then, basically, then we're looking- your opportunity to say, dude, exp- first explain to me how you're eating a sandwich with a yeah, fork. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Then they feel like an idiot right. when they've got to ask for it. Yeah, then they're on the spot. Right. Yeah. Right. They can't do it anymore. Thank you. So what we did was we, um, before spending any money, because business owners don't want to spend money, mm. we looked at all the things we could do without spending money to save money but to also lower our footprint. Right. So the same thing with milk. You know, right. like uh, at a lot of these places, especially there, we you know we had a par, meaning uh, per day you had a certain amount of cookies you would make, and a certain amount of gallons of milk you would order. Mm-hmm. You know, yada yada yada. Yeah. And what we were finding is that the the old manager was dumping out like two to three gallons of milk a week. Oh man! It's just like, are you kidding me? This stuff's not cheap. This is yeah. like good quality milk. Yeah. Um. So we lowered our par. For milk, save two to three gallons of milk a week. You know, um, we bit, we would wouldn't bake as many cookies because they were throwing out like twelve a day, just like simple stuff. Right. And just like thinking about like it, like we do this for a reason. Like we count for a reason. So let's adjust now. Yeah, let's Even not that, just cook so many adjusting. that we're throwing away, but yeah. not cook so little that people can't get cookies. Yeah. But find a balance. You yeah. know that makes sense. Um, you know, same thing with bread. You know, ordering the right amount of bread. You know, so we weren't throwing out bread because at this point we weren't composting or really doing that well with recycling because we didn't really have much of an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so after we did that for for quite a while, um, we started to see savings. We'd see it on the P and L that we were saving money on certain things, and I I said to the owner, "Hey, uh, what about trying to do this uh, composting? Would you be open to that?" He's like, "Yeah." So we found uh, this one lady who. Uh, at that point, had no customers in Portsmouth that was willing to do it. Um, this lady named Eva. Where was she doing it out of? Uh, she's way out in Farmington. Oh, okay. Um, and so she agreed to do it. She did a training, and then she would drive in um, once a week in her pickup truck and pick it up. And uh, so we started doing that, and on top of that, we were already doing the, the practices we had before. Um, and then I convinced the owner to switch over to compostable products and at that point no one was really doing that right. so I was we just going to ask that actually so when she, what she was composting was almost all food scraps yeah right yeah okay. it was just primarily coffee grounds coffee filters napkins yeah. Yeah. um at that point i think we rolled out a station it might have been no we didn't roll out a station yet for customers but mm-hmm. shortly after that we transitioned all of our um to go where to compostable but i also was able to convince the owner to switch over to uh 
hard plates and silverware, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we were now giving customers everything reusable, All right. which is a huge transition. Yeah, so yeah. essentially what ended up happening is we got to a point where we were only generating uh, one can of trash every two weeks. From, do you remember what the other one was? Oh, like well, it used it to be um, three a week. To one a week? To one every two weeks. So oh, from, wow. from six every two weeks down to one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, it changed the the makeup of the, the shop. Yeah, you know, our clients yeah, were were interested in talking about it and yeah. it was it was a really cool transition. So I got to kind of pilot my ideas there. But That's a year huge. went a year went by and nobody else signed on to compost, even though I went around and give oh, gave yeah. uh that uh Eva's card out. Mm-hmm. Um no one else signed on. Mm-hmm. So a year went by um and uh I was at me and always for about two years and then I got recruited to to join the Green Alliance as the oh, yeah. uh, assistant director. Nice. I'm just taking a beer break. No problem. Actually, yeah, I forgot. I did know that you were on the Green Alliance too. So that was that was right before Mr. Fox. Yeah. Green, yeah. 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 So the Green I was at the Green Alliance for not even a year. Is the Green Alliance um a national thing? No, no. It's it's a local thing. Um a seacoast, a New it's England. A, well, I, I I don't know. I think they reach out, they've got some I don't know what the most recent stuff is, but I think they reach as far as Portland and Boston. And it's a great idea. Can you explain it a little bit? Uh, yeah. So it's the idea. And I think at the time when it was started, it was, it was, um, really needed and it served a purpose and it has served a purpose and it's educated a lot of people, but essentially, um, uh, a business, a lot of times doesn't have the ability to evaluate, what their scale of sustainability is mm-hmm. and they're not really given feedback on, on how to improve. And so they had a, uh, you, you pay a membership fee to join and then you go through an evaluation process to kind of rate how sustainable you are. Um, and then, uh, after getting that evaluation, you get a scorecard and you can see where you can improve, but then they also do a good job advertising, um, the businesses That's out right. to the network. Yeah. Um, then they would advertise in the local papers. Um, and then you can actually go to their website and search out, you know, under certain tabs, you know, whether it's landscapers, um, who is in, Oh, okay. So also yeah, as, member, a, as a consumer, if you're interested yeah, in using the consumer side is, of it was a big part of it. So you got a green card and the green card would give you yeah. discounts at the businesses. Yeah, yeah. So like cool. the Portsmouth brewery, was part of it, you know, and they're composting and all their stuff is compostable and they're sourcing local produce and, you know, all those things. They have a decent vegan menu too, by the way. Well, that's because um, Joanne, uh, Peter's wife, is uh, vegan. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so she really they're pushed one for one of the better restaurants in town, actually, yeah. surprisingly. Yeah, I, st- I still think there's a major joint. hole for, I mean, we've talked about yes, this, there's still a major hole in the vegan. Looking for funders, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's make this happen. Yeah, I know. Some yeah. vegan soul food, man. Yes, yes. Next, next <laughs> subject. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, uh, so that's kind of cool. So the Green Alliance, like, they, so, so a uh, business kind of pays a fee, they get things like advertising, they get to do good and then a consumer gets to find someone so they can sort of do good and they can find someone to help the consumer them because has, they're doing good. The consumer has access to awesome. uh, the network of businesses that have been rated, um, but it's also just like you don't have to go through the the search of Googling. You just kind of have this aggregate mm-hmm. of seeing like all the different options um, of different types of businesses 
you know, whether it's a green maid or a green landscaper Mm -hmm. or a compost service, you know, you have those options there. Um, And consumers also have access to the green card. I mean, to see what, how they fared on the evaluation and they can actually download the answers that business gave. So if they really wanted to vet the business and be like, are these guys full of it? You know, like, well, they could read what they do, you know? So it's definitely served a purpose. And when Sarah Brown started it, it was, it was, um, I believe Does it she exists anymore. The it's way, st- the way still, you're talking about it is like they're either gone or kind of not as effective. Uh, <laughs> I think it, it still exists. Um, for me as a small business, I just wouldn't pay to be a part of it. Yeah. Because um, it's it's too expensive for us to do that. Okay. Um, it still as exists, Mr. Fox but I, or, or Papa Wolf. Oh no, it's Mr. Fox. Okay. Um, it. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, I was going to say Sarah started it after she had seen an inconvenient truth mm-hmm. and learned a lot about climate change and mm-hmm. felt like she needed to, you know, she had a journalist background and felt like she needed to tell the story of yeah. like the issues that were going on, but also the businesses trying to yeah. solve It's a, a good idea. Great idea. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's definitely a hard, it's a hard business to do like a lot of small businesses, but like I said, it, it's needed and it was needed, yeah. you know, so it's good. Yeah. So yeah, I was there for six months and around that time I was starting uh, Eco Movement is what it was called when we first started, Eco uh-huh. Movement Consulting and Hauling. <laughs> <laughs> consulting and Hauling. Oh, oh yeah, because we were doing a, a lot of waste yeah, consulting. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I think is huge and um, not to derail the, the flow, but is are you planning on doing more of that or do you are you... consulting uh education i think i might yeah i mean we thought for a while now it'd be great to hire someone to do like just focus on education or you know could we be a non-profit somehow and focus more on education Mm -hmm. it's just challenging Mm -hmm. um the money has to come in to make that part of it work yeah so what i do is whenever i'm asked and i can do it within my schedule I'll go talk to schools. Yeah. I'll come on Earth Days to some of the local schools and talk about composting and how it works. Um, you know, I, I did a, the, the TEDx talk at, yeah. at Wyndham. You know, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to help. And when we do events, that's a huge educational opportunity because we get to have the stations. But when it comes down to it, I you know, I work six days a week yeah. and have one day off with the family. So it's, it can be challenging. Mm, um sure. So yeah, I, w- I would love to do more education. We t- I tend to do, you know, the consulting side of it, the education side of it. I try to do it as we're gaining new customers. When I'm in the customers space, yeah. I try to chain the staff and do the best that I can. But yeah. Yeah. I always wish we can do more with education. It's just not enough time in yeah. the in the yeah. day. Yeah, I think it's a lot, it's a vague subject, but we'll. Kind of well, get and there. I I look at, I always I've always looked at composting for. <clears throat> For people, as a, I call it, like a gateway. I hate to say drug, but like it's like a gateway to sustainability. Um, when you start composting, you know, if you use our residential service or if you start doing it at home, something goes off in your head. Like yeah. all of a sudden, and I hear it from people all all yeah, the time. I did it. All of a sudden, you're just like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. Like people get excited. They say. I used to take my garbage out two times a week. Now I barely go out once. Yeah. And then they start thinking about local food. They start thinking about yeah. the medicine they're taking. They start thinking about the water they drink, the air they breathe, mm-hmm. the car they drive. Yep. That's it was it was part of my my world. 
for sure. Like my sort of transition, my, yeah. my gateway to, uh, to kind of that thought process. But when I started doing it, it was just like, look at all the stuff I'm putting in the compost bin now and not my trash now. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And it well, it's just, it just it breaks it down that good. it breaks down that my, I, hate to use like you're in the matrix, you know, like mm. I joke about that all the time, but like, it's just, there's so much going on all the time. Mm. You're just so focused. Like you open the fridge, everything just got there magically. Yeah. Came to the grocery store magically. Yeah. You don't think about the process, you know, same thing with, with the trash, right? You just put the trash in the can, put it out to the curb, mm. it, it disappears. Yeah, sure. And that's the problem is like, we're not connected to the process and how yeah. things work. But once you find out, how things work, all of a sudden your brain starts firing yeah. in a different way. You which start to battle, say, which is a battle for me on things like Facebook, where sometimes I want to deliver. Sometimes I, I want to deliver messages. I want some people to kind of get aware of stuff like that, and uh, and and some people like don't want to see it. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. But sometimes it's like I know, but. You, yeah, you, like I, we can't just keep like closing our eyes. Like for I, I posted one the other day just about plastic waste. Yeah, you know about like well, I posted like, the whales. Yeah, yeah, the whales' stomachs filled with plastic. It's yeah. like where do you think it goes? Like one use plastic. Is- I basically only use Facebook at this point as as an aggregate for me to share. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's <laughs> important. To, yeah. Sometimes I do funny stuff. Like if yeah. if it's like a a kid, you know, with some serious chops dancing or, yeah, exactly. or singing yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah. like I did I'll post some kids skateboarding this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I'll post awesome. stuff like that. <laughs> uh, it's generally positive or right. it's something political that I feel like people need to, yeah, like, to hear. It's, it's kind of an every once in a while thing, like, especially with the animal agriculture, like it can get ugly quick it can get really violent yeah. quick. And some people are just like, you know, I know, I know of people that will just be like, I don't even, I, I unfriend people that, yeah. you know, show the skinning of animals and stuff. And, and, and I battle with it. Sometimes it's like, eh, you know, like I get it and I don't want to be that guy, but at the same time, I also have a, a part of me that wants to unapologetically put it out there too, because it's just like tough shit. Yeah. Tough shit. Yeah, tough re- shit. Reality is. Reality is harsh. And, and it's can, for all of us. Yeah. It's for all of us and our planet. You know, like like what you're dealing with, what the composting and the waste. It's like, like, no, it doesn't just not go anywhere. It goes like if you could see the images of plastic bottles, and like a desert of plastic bottles. Well, that's the problem. They it's don't like, go anywhere. The problem is we don't react until it's in our backyard. Yeah. Like we don't react until something is poisoning our water yeah. or, you know, if you're a hunter or a fisherman and you go out to hunt fish and you start seeing this stuff, killing the wildlife you appreciate to hunt. Cause a lot of hunters and fishermen have respect for the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of them are environmentalists. Um, I saw a really Ironically. great, I, I love Anthony Bourdain. I've always loved him. Um, no know. reservations. He's a famous, famous chef from New yeah, York City. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did a trip in uh, Montana, and he was hunting. And Joe Rogan was on the show, and a couple, you know, expert mm-hmm. hunters, fishermen were out there, and they did this, you know, this there's campfire, beautiful background, just yeah. big sky country, and and you're just watching, and you're like, I want to be there. Yeah. But they're just talking mm-hmm. about the environment, respecting the environment, using the whole animal, yeah. you know, and their respect for animals, you know. So if you're going to be a hunter and eat meat, right. you know, you have to have respect. Right. And then you can, you can, you can easily transition that into then 
how can you do single serving bottles of water? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you want to make that connection for people. You want to be like, don't you like, you got to get it. Or if you fit, especially like if you fish, cause I think the oceans are more than the forests yeah. being poisoned by that stuff. But it's like, if you want to go out and fish, you want to go enjoy the ocean and you want to, you know, like be an appreciator of all that stuff. And um, then you have well, to make a correlation. And I, and I've often, <clears throat> I repeat this all the time. I don't care if you believe in, in climate change. Okay. Like, because it's, it's clearly been made mm. a political issue, you know, right wing, left wing, you know, you're a hippie. If you're right wing, you do, climate change is a myth. You know, yeah. I don't care at the end of the day. Do you think it's okay to poison the water you drink? Right. Do you think it's okay to poison the air you breathe? Do you think it's okay to poison the food you're eating? Right. Do you think it's okay to throw plastic in the ocean? No. Right. And do you really think it's not going to catch up with you? Do you really think our like it's everything is just like like so endless. if you don't if you don't even believe in climate change, then you could say okay, taking food scraps that would go to a landfill never to be used again. And you don't believe in methane, even though it generates methane, which yeah, is 22 yeah. times more potent than CO2. Yeah. Let's take that food waste. Let's mix it with wood waste or hay or horse manure and turn it into soil so you can grow, give nutrients back to the soil and grow more food. I don't care where your political views lie. That just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I feel like the conversation needs to go more and more. Right. Let's not make it political. Let's not hammer people and make them feel bad about what they're doing and the choices they make. Let's educate them and say, this just makes sense. Right, right. Like, okay, you're drinking coffee out of styrofoam every day because you don't know better. Right. Exactly. You don't know it contains dioxin. Yeah. And you're making good points and you're, you're, also, you're also making it attainable because it isn't, it isn't about, we're, like right now we're not talking big business. We're not talking like, oh, well, you know, like, well, they don't do that because they're making billions of dollars. That's not what this is about. This is about just like individuals, like every single one of us could just start making different choices. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, what, what's been shown time and time again is when, when, when the divide and conquer method's not working and a bunch of people say, you know what, enough is enough, you know, kind of what Bernie Sanders has been doing all mm-hmm. along, you know, just yeah. saying, us, you know, enough is enough. If enough of us get together, we can make change. That's true. If enough people stood up and said to a business, you need to change your practices. Palm oil is a good example. Mm -hmm. My wife is avid about going after businesses if they have an ingredient in their ingredients list and asking them, what's the source? Is it sustainable? Is it Mm -hmm. causing harm? And getting the answer she wants. Um, And if enough of us speak up, you can make a business change because they don't want to lose their customer base. If enough people stand up and say, you need to cut that ingredient out, maybe they're not aware. Maybe it's cheap, but they don't know about the negative impact, but because some nonprofit had funding and did a campaign and did the research is getting the word out there. So I think we've seen a lot of change happen. I just think more and more people need to stop fighting over the stuff that doesn't matter. Like your sexual preference, the color of your skin. Your sex, it's all yeah, crazy. It should just be about like, let's make everyone healthy and yeah. happy, and let's let's just be happy. I know, like, it seems so simple. I know, I know. Yeah, no, I I feel you, man. I feel you. Um, well, so finish describing um, 
Mr. Fox. We haven't quite even said like what the business does yet. Yeah. So we, we started, uh, two friends. I had an idea. He had a landscaping company. He had a pickup truck and a dump trailer. He already had a big truck. Yeah. He had a pickup truck and a dump trailer. Yeah. No cart tipper, you know, nothing to pick the bins up. Right. And we said, you know what? Let's just give this a shot. Came up with a name, logo, my friend Ian. Which is all very clever, by the way. Oh, well, no, this is before. Oh, right, right, right. right. The Eco Moment logo is pretty cool, too. It was like a globe, and it had like a little town on it. It was really cool. Uh, I don't know if I ever saw that. You know, it was like, I had this shirt that said, we're all in this together. Mm. You know, it was very like environmentally. But it's right on. Um, So we started... And we had a few customers to start, and we were up at five in the morning, two of us running through, literally picking up 50-pound bags of compost by hand and just yeah. throwing them in the back of this. Yeah. The dump trailer was called the Big Lug, this 14-foot dump trailer. Now, is this uh, <laughs> residential yet or all business? So all far? business. Yep. We started out with just commercial because yep. they they have the largest footprint. They're generating the most right. waste. Sure. And can um, I also, uh, it's, you're picking up 50-pound bags of compostable yeah, it's so not compost yet, right? It's you know, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're picking up food scraps, right. fifty pound bags of, of food scraps. So like raw chicken from the ports of the brewery, you know. Yeah. So we had like four or five customers to start, um, and uh, I ended up in the first summer we were in business calling NHPR, and I said, "Hey, you guys should do a story about us. Yeah, It'd be kind of cool." And I'm thinking, you know, there's people all over the country doing this. You know, like there's got to be a bunch of guys just like us doing this. Yeah. Well, I was wrong. Yeah, like two. Yeah, like two. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm getting emails and phone calls from people. Yeah. I'm like, dude, holy shit. You were on NPR you know, morning edition this morning. I'm like, what? Yeah. So NPR picked up NHPR's story and they broadcasted it nationally. Oh, man. So all of a sudden we're in like we're like three, four months, five months maybe into business, and we're getting phone calls and emails from all over the country and the world. People are like, "Do you franchise? How can we start a business like this? What's happening?" You know, I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, this is insane!" And I'm Call just like, my "Lawyer, we're still we, trying to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> we're still trying to figure out how to get this to work. Like, we yeah. need to make money first. So, so I started doing like <laughs> consulting. People from Florida would fly in, and I would meet oh, with man. them and just tell them like the basic." stuff how we were doing it they'd pay like a consulting fee and yeah. help this guy in massachusetts get started and right on. so basically within that first summer business had, ex- had exploded we went from like four or five customers to like 40 50 the big lug trailer had you know eight foot sides on it and it was overflowing right, like right. we couldn't fit anymore yeah. and we were in a scramble to buy a garbage truck to kind of like scale it up so i was like well how the hell are we going to finance this well bank's not going to loan to us because we're small yeah. we haven't been in business that long we're a weird business like how many freaking compost <laughs> yeah, you have, like yeah how do you how do you uh, chart your track record yeah yeah, well, yeah. the other comp oh right oh there yeah is there no. are none <laughs> okay we're screwed <laughs> so i i had um i was hearing about uh slow money you know it was happening in vermont and slow money essentially is like investing in your community you know the money moves slower over time but it makes your community more healthy and vibrant yeah. and brighter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I reached out to a couple of business owners that were my clients. Uh, one was uh, Penny Brewster at Series Bakery, who's been awesome for us. And the other was Peter uh, Eggleston at uh, Porson Brewery and Smutty Nose. Yeah. I sat down with them. I said, hey, I got to buy a garbage truck. We got to grow. 
I'm 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 budgeting like twenty five thousand dollars to get this first truck, which is really cheap. Yeah, I was gonna truck. say yeah. They usually like a hundred to two hundred grand. Yeah, this is like waste management's like a twelve year old truck. Oh, this is, yeah. Like, okay, so <laughs> I, I raised the money between the two of them. They were the first two I met with. They they believed in me. Nice. Right um, and they loaned me the money. You know, wow. it was at, a, at you know four year five year terms at a uh, you know an interest rate between eight, eight and ten percent. Beautiful. Just like okay, let's do this. Found a truck online, drove down to New Jersey to get it. <laughs> Guys like, oh yeah, it'll pass DOT inspection. This thing's totally safe. You'll be good. Just drive it down the road. It'll drive straight. Not even halfway through the ride, like the coolant was spewing everywhere. Oh. We barely made it home. The first week we had it back, had to go back into the shop. And it was like $8,000 worth of work. Right, of so this is lesson number, this, there were lessons before this, but this is one of the lessons that you learned before. One of the bigger early ones. It's like, don't buy equipment if you have no right buying equipment because right. you're not an effing mechanic. Right, yeah. You know, have someone look at it. Yeah. So that thing was like, that truck was like almost like the downfall of our business, like $20,000 in repair a year, you know, like just crazy. Yeah. But we got that truck finally on the road and we started adding, adling customers and, uh, and started to grow the route to the point where that truck was just maxed out. Um, the facilities we were dumping at were, were super flaky. We had one in Fremont we were going to and the one in Farmington. So we were having to drive like, uh, you know, 30 minutes each way to dump and it was just like long driving and, and yeah. wearing on the truck. And so um, after four years of being in business, we decided to start looking for our own facility to kind of vertically integrate the business. And so we found a plot of land in, in Elliott, worked with the SBDC to put together a business plan mm. um, and then financed that that purchase of the land, right um, which is basically just another startup business in itself yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. no doubt yeah that's a big uh when i called to do the residential service you guys were like um you weren't in are you in lee yet you weren't in lee yeah well it's the tough thing about offering residential service is it's it's so rural yeah so it's it's hard to be cost effective yeah it's hard to get the density more on gas yeah going back and forth like i get it it's tough yeah, and that, that's that's a that's a challenge with rural areas, and that's where you have to get involved with uh, municipalities, you know, and do transfer station pilots where people, you know, dump at the transfer station. Um, you know, so like you you already go to the transfer station or the town dump to bring your trash and recycling. You have yeah. a receptacle for compost, so we do that in Rye. We do it in Elliot. Elliot and Rye are now town wide. Dover too, right? Not in Dover. I thought no. you had one in Dover. Nope. Uh, Portsmouth just started. They do their first pickup this week. So that, that, that definitely helps. Um, but we're looking at broader scale of like working on pilots with municipalities where you can get the the density, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like whole neighborhoods because then you can reduce your cost of service. Yeah. I mean, that's a brilliant idea. That's uh, just have the town dumps, transfer stations. What would they need to have? Uh, usually they just have like a bin, a larger bin like that. 
like a toter. Right it's like on. a wheel. What cart. about a uh, what about like a dumpster? Well, the dumpsters could... generally are too big and they can get you... messy. But our truck, yeah. our current truck, doesn't pick up dumpsters. Okay, right. So so right. toters. Uh, so they could best. just have as many of those as they needed, basically. Yeah, like Elliot, I think has like eight to ten of those, yeah. like large ones. Yeah, ninety five. So it's just like a large. It's, yeah, it's like a large, large trash that. barrel. That's a, a thirty two gallon. So sixty four gallons double the size, and they have ninety fives. And so someone could come and get, um, cause I, I moved in Lee and I was talking to Malone mm-hmm. and I moved. So it was like a little further out. So I was like, all right, well they can't keep doing it. And she said some, I didn't quite understand. It was, you know, like you could come get the bags, but I thought she said Dover. I thought, she, I, I thought, well, I so we, when we had Dover. our office in Dover, we used to let people drop off. Oh, maybe it was to the back of the building. That's what it was. Um, And we've talked about doing like community pilot programs, but like it's just tough. Like someone has a a bin and people dropping their food waste, so like that person has to manage that bin and like make sure no one's putting trash in it. So it's we're willing to pilot certain things. It's just you need someone to come forward and be like, "I'll be the person to manage this," you know. So it's just it can be challenging. It's a great ideas, but. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you've probably talked to plenty of transfer stations, but typically they're pretty passionate people. They're, yeah, they're I mean, I've met some it. pretty awesome... Um, I, I think when recycling came on board, mm. probably in the 70s, you know, late 70s, uh, the municipalities started looking at their um, diversion rates and started to kind of compete with each other and share bre- right. best practices. Yeah. Um, I think that's when the transfer station managers really started to... Think about it. They seem to be pretty thrifty guys anyways. The yeah, kind of guys that yeah. like hoard extra trucks right. because they're like, someday yeah, I'm going to need that axle. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's kind of like the guy Randy you met. He's yeah. that kind of guy. Like, yeah. yeah, I made this truck out of like five different trucks. That's an axle <laughs> off a tank. You know? like yeah. <laughs> Those guys get it, man. They yeah. So when they see stuff going in a recycling bins and know it's going to get reused, they're just like, all right. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. So, um, when I try to talk about it, um, I get questions that I can't quite answer. So I want to ask you, um, like, why does why do I want to compost? First is the first question. Why should you? Yeah. <clears throat> why Why can't I just throw my food scraps in the trash where it's just going to go to the town dump and break down on its own? So. First thing, when when trash goes to landfill, um, there's a lack of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Those bags are just tied off. They're placed in a landfill, <clears throat> and the the food waste just starts to rot. Right. So when the food waste rots, it creates methane. Um, methane's 22 times more potent than CO2. I believe food waste generates 20 percent of overall methane. Don't quote me on that, but it's around there. Yeah. Um, well, it's probably added into total methane, which in the food. The ag, you know the food agricultural business, uh, the methane is the, the no. The I think food is, waste itself yeah. in landfills generates about twenty percent of overall yeah. methane. Wow. I, and I'll, I'll look back at that. Um, we maybe we can go back and edit this if I screwed it up. No, nope, um, no. So <laughs> that's a huge component of it. The other huge component of it is we're not generating enough compost enough nutrients mm. to be self-sustaining in this country on generating our own inputs. So we're relying heavily on synthetic fertilizers and insecticides mm. because we're not building our soil with key nutrients. Right. 
um, to be able to build that inner def- that defense, you know, to to be able to build in the ability to absorb more water, to be able to, you know, really build a living soil. Mm. Uh, this have you ever heard of the soil food web by Lane Ingham? No. Um, it's it's really cool uh, diagram of all the beneficial microorganisms and critters in the soil, and it just shows you how it works. And yeah. so, when we're shocking the soil with synthetic fertilizers, we basically turn the country into a dust bowl. We turn it into sand because all that organic matter is killed. Right. And water, when it hits it, just washes off. Right, right. But when you have really good organic matter, the soil absorbs the water. The water travels down. It permeates. Which is also more water uh, effective. Yeah. Yeah. So from a sustainability perspective, perspective, it acts as a mulch, yeah. <clears throat> but then you get all these beneficial micro microorganisms and critters coming up through the soil and they're tilling the soil mm-hmm. and they're creating pathways for oxygen to flow to the root system and creating mm-hmm. water pathways for water to flow through. And so, um, there's that. And the other big thing is when you spread compost on the land, it acts as a carbon sink. There are people that are carbon mm-hmm. farming where they're, where they're laying compost out on fields to sequester Oh no! Kidding. Carbon from the atmosphere, so that's that's cool use of it as well. That is cool. Um, so it makes a lot, a lot of, of sense. It, it makes a lot of yeah. sense. I, I think it's just a matter of uh, making people aware of the benefits they can have. I mean, there's been a whole like backyard growers movement. A lot more people are growing food. Um, a lot more people have chickens in their backyard. Mm-hmm. Like we have chickens. My neighbor has chickens. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in our area have chickens. And so when you start to do that and you start feeding the chickens your food scraps, you know, or anything left over, like, uh, you know, Starbucks of all people, um, of all businesses, yeah. um, has free coffee grounds for people. And there are people that take those coffee grounds from Starbucks and they'll throw it in their compost and just have a compost full of coffee grounds. And then all of a sudden the worms start attacking it. Or, you know, they've done a major education campaign saying, you can literally just put your coffee grounds on the soil. It's nitrogen. It's already broken down mm. to a fine form, and that's nutrients right there. You just put it right around the base of your plants, you know. And so once you teach people to see value, then things change. Yeah, yeah. It, it's starting to understand there's a value to plastic, a value to aluminum. When they start to see, like when you hand them a product made for something, uh, again, kind of going back to like, not understanding from from A to B, you know, just yeah. things disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, and I think this is through life with you know, relationships, interactions, communication. Um, you have learned behavior and learned patterns, and the way to break that is to educate people about a different way in an approach that is not going to make someone defensive. Absolutely. And I think that's like the key to life really as far as changing your behavior and habits. Yeah. And it's, and, uh, and just what you talked about with the, you know, why, why to compost, those are, those are great little lessons that, uh, that, um, I'm sure, you know, a lot better than I do. People just don't know. Yeah. Like I've talked about, like when I was doing it, when I had the bin at the house and just the kids would ask and, and I wasn't really educated on, I just wanted like, I was just kind of like. I know this is, this is good. Like intuitively, like I get it. I, you know, I want to be part of something good. So I was just doing it, but I couldn't really explain why. And I've, and I've tried, and I've tried to talk to some other people about it 
but I don't really, my, my, what I'm trying to say is my sense is that just tons and tons of people don't know. They just don't know. Well, I mean, it could and be it's an opportunity. simple though. <clears throat> it, it, it is. And I, I just think that, you know, people know it's good. Um, they feel like you feel it's good. Once you're kind of doing it. Once, once you, you, once, once you, you do jumped, it. Yeah. You've jumped on board. Once you do it and you like all of a sudden are like, holy crap, like I was throwing this all away. Yeah. And, and that's why, although it's a challenge for us every year to pull it together because something seems to happen. That's why I think when people get compost back for free, mm. then they're like, that's full circle for them. They're seeing the fruits. If they can use it. If they can use it. Most yeah. people, nine times out of 10, someone's taking it and using it. Yeah. But I when, gave it to a friend. Yeah. yeah. But when they see it, like visually see it and they're like, wow. Yeah. This went from this, or if you're growing, if you're making it in your backyard, you're like, okay, so organic farming isn't a fad. Right. Before the Industrial Revolution, right? Before World War II, before we had all that leftover ammunition, everything was organic. Composting has been going on for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So this isn't rocket science. Yeah. It's just kind of coming back to who we were yeah. as people and kind yeah. of like breaking this throwaway society, industrial yeah. revolution. You I was going like, to say, it's, it's also like reassessing. You know, it's reassessing. Yeah. It's like, okay, like we, we, were, comp- we were farmers, we were composters, um, and then a lot of people came around and then a lot of people started to streamline things and, and, uh, and try to make money here and try to, you know, and, and try to... Um, uh, what would the word be? Revolutionize, and then now that there's so many billions of people, time you know. So now when we're throwing all this away, now we're the the uh, the negative effect of just throwing everything away is becoming more apparent. So mm-hmm. now that's what I mean by reassessing. So now it's going like, whoa, 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 okay, all right, hold on. Like we kind of made a mistake. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, could, we went. It wouldn't we, be the tack to take, but that's another, just another angle to think about it from. It's like, okay, well, we just went so far away from who we really are. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what's really great is that there's a lot of young people that just mm-hmm. don't take no for an answer, mm-hmm. and they're just like, listen, no, yeah, we're not going to continue doing this. Like you guys are out of your mind, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, uh, we have planned the post landfill action network that's based in um, Dover. You know, Alex uh, Freed, who runs it, I met that guy when he was in high school. You mm-hmm. know, at Oyster River High School, right. he came and met with me at Me and Ollie's, and started talking to me about single stream recycling and what they're doing in their school and how composting is working for us and how they could do that. And I saw the guy and I was just like, this dude's going to tear it up. Switched on. Before you know it, he's, you know, started a program where they're taking stuff at the end of semester that normally gets thrown in dumpsters and every year they save it and resell it to the next group of kids coming in. Yeah. All that, like carpets, TVs, all stuff that's perfectly good, but because these kids just don't care yeah, and right. mom and dad have paid for it, they're just throwing it away. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that program is gone national Mm. news at universities all over the country oh that's cool so it just shows you that like one person can have an idea and have a huge positive impact um there's a lot of people like that which is 
great. Yeah, it's awesome. It is. It's huge. Like I, I feel it too. Like yeah. I feel the wave. I feel like I, you know, because my kids are both. You know, daughter's 17, Aiden's 20. And so, you you know, so you get to see, I get to see these kids and it's like, there's a lot of freaking good kids, man. A lot of good kids, a lot of kids living their passion. And, and they've and, got to f- clean the mess up. Yeah, exactly. You know? And it's, it's, I think, you know, I love, I love, I, I don't really care what anyone thinks. I love Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. I, I, he was the only one that stood up strong for the environment. You yeah. know, there's no compromise with that man. But what he's done is he has inspired a lot of people to join and get into politics because something I've always said, because I've always, you know, I worked on political campaigns when I was young um, and I really did. I really enjoyed it. I paged up at uh, the state house in in Maine um, in Augusta and uh, it's going to inspire a lot of people to get involved. um, And that's what we need. You know, we can't just have only wealthy people, only kids that went to the best schools, only, you know, we have to change this this system of you know the wealthiest people having the most say and the wealthiest people guiding the way this country goes because like you said before it's it's all about profit right we have people that have a value set that put you know the triple bottom line put people planet before profit yeah care for people care for the planet and then we talk about profit exactly yeah you know are the people healthy are they taken care of is the planet healthy is the planet taken care of and then okay so now let's see how we can thrive yeah yeah and if you get more people like that involved in government it's going to totally change the way yeah the government, thought process government happens. and business and business yeah yeah, yeah. Bus- business is a huge one too uh, to have people come up you know, and, and starting their own, because I think that's also going to be the way of the economy is it is the way of the economy. Yeah. Now. The, the younger people coming up, they're all much more working for themselves and creating their own destinies and things like that. So they need to, we need to kind of, uh, aid support new economy. I think what, what you said, the, um, the planet people. What was yeah. That? It's a triple bottom line. So people planet, yeah. people planet and then profit. Yeah. 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 It's, that's awesome. Yeah. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And that's the way I think that young people are going to start running their businesses. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, that's just, that is a great umbrella. It's like, okay, you're going to do a business. Here's your umbrella. Yeah. You know, here's how you, here's how you have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Cause the, cause right now the, the, uh, the older generation that like you were saying that p- the people in power are the people in wealth is just no motivation for that. Well, it's like, um, like, no, why would I change what I'm doing? I'm my sister, my sister's got two kids. She moved back to the area. She's got a job that's paying her nine fifty an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And they want to raise the minimum wage to $12 and they think that's enough. No one can live off that. So, so like one thing I committed to was everyone that works for me starts out at 15 an hour. Right. It just means we don't make as much. Right. money but who cares if we can't pay someone a living wage right. you know both my businesses we start out at that rate yeah you know and it's like and you got happy people working for you well they they're getting a reasonable paycheck yeah. you know they're living and that's still not enough money oh no i know exactly. i mean the cost of health care the cost of living it's like it's astronomical. It's yeah. ridiculous yeah. how much it costs to live. Yeah. I don't even think around here at $15 an hour, a single person can live on their own. Like, I mean, barely, like you got to have roommates. You got to be like budgeting, like mad. Yeah. And health insurance, I don't think you can even afford. The, 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 everything being 
kind of based off of profit is ruined. Yeah. You know, if, if someone, if people were willing to take a little less money, a little less of a profit would be okay. That's why they need more affordable living. That's why we moved out to Farmington yeah. when we decided to buy. Yeah. Because when we started looking at homes, we were like, Dover all of a sudden got really expensive. Yeah, Dover was like took a quick leap. You know, Portsmouth, no way. Yeah. Dover, no way. Yeah. Um, and where so I, like the Lee, Madbury, uh, Oyster River district, no way. Everyone wants to be in that school district. Yeah. You know, no that's way. getting, that's getting expensive. People are moving oh, out. It to, is expensive. That's it's, expensive. The people are yeah. moving out to Elliot, the Berwicks, you oh, know, yeah. kind of just branching out. And it's yeah. like, how do you keep the people that made this place great? How do you keep them here? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You start forcing them out. And that's why low-income housing and affordable housing needs to happen and why some of these projects uh, local people are looking to put into place need to happen. Because yeah. it's like, how do you keep the staff of the restaurants living close to where they work? Right. You know, it's it's just... And just being part of the community. Yeah. Being part of the... You know, but that's the gentrification yeah. process. It's happening all over. You know, it's happening in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. You know, it's happening all over. So basically, you know, the artists, the musicians, the creative people, the young entrepreneurs, the fun people, the fun people make something great. Yeah. It attracts people and those people come in and they invest and then they, you know, how do you hold they on? You out. Yeah, then they yeah. price you out. How do you hold on to that? Well, it just happens in Dover yeah. and then it happens in Farmington and then it happens and it just keeps kind of branching right, out. Right. I wish there was a way to better management manage that. You do it by implementing the mandatory people, planet, profit. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you just have to look longer term. You know, it's you know it's going to happen, yeah, and that's sort of like the conversation earlier about uh, you know how um, do you like gently involving the government so people don't feel like Big Brother's taking over. Like, but if you can't do it yourself, like you know, something's got to happen. If we can't self police isn't the right word but you know what i mean like, well if they don't put in the proper guidelines to manage the, the you know that growth yeah it's gonna happen yeah it's a coastal city coastal cities yeah. you know beautiful like this was a best kept secret and then the new york boston globe new york times i mean how many damn articles have come out in the yeah. past like five years about how great this place is yeah. even to dover, visit, dover is one of the best places to you know best cities to live yeah one of them so, I mean, you have enough of those articles. People are going to come here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same from Boston. Boston priced out to Portsmouth. Portsmouth priced out to Dover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then you started, uh, and so then um, you started Papa Wolf or moved Papa Wolf. And that's what you're trying to do with Papa Wolf. And also what I like about it too is, you know, you're trying to do that with your employees and like your business practices. But I also like what you're doing with um, what you're selling is a cool is a yeah. cool model, yep. like we were talking about before. And actually, I was listening to a podcast, which you'd probably be pretty interested in listening to, but um, I think I might have mentioned I listened to Rich Roll podcast. Yeah, yeah. And so yep. he, he was interviewing a really cool guy who um, made a documentary on the um, the clothing industry. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was, they were having a conversation, much like you and I were the other night, about that, um, you know, like your your constant battle as a retail store owner having people come in and go you know like how much for this shirt and you say yeah well but 
you know, it was made here. And I don't even mean United States here. I just mean like you can say where it was made. Yeah. It was made here. It was made by these people. It was made out of this material. The people that made it make this amount of money, you know, sort of that whole. Yeah. Let's take, and the people who um, didn't make it or the, the people who made it also weren't, you know, uh, horribly taken care of or horribly treated. And Well, it's another opportunity to educate people about yeah exactly the process you know it's yeah. <clears throat> that was the things are just things are too they don't know this stuff yeah, yeah things are too easy and so it's just um we're just so damn busy you know like yeah. it's just tough in this day and age where like you're bombarded constantly you know like when you go home you just don't want to think about anything like yeah. a lot of people just want to veg out and just Game of not thrones. have to yeah just not have to make yeah. decisions you yeah. know and so yeah. you want to be able to go to walmart you want to be able to go to the corner store and just grab something it's a whole bunch of stuff it's it's yeah. how little it costs yeah and it's how much you've been told it's awesome yeah you know what i mean it's been you've been yep. you've been told I, I have a pair of sandals on that i was talking to to, to heather my wife about this morning yeah. i've had them since i lived in san francisco <laughs> right exactly like yeah. 2007 dude like like right. <laughs> Like these are, these <laughs> are like, ready I mean, for these are good quality sandals. I mean, yeah. but these weren't, these weren't made in the USA. The rainbow sandals, they've been around forever. Right. But the quality is there. Yeah. And so that's another conversation. It's like, yeah. when you can't get something made in the USA, because a long time ago, all the tooling and all the expertise went overseas. Right. A lot of the tools and all the investment and in infrastructure went overseas mm-hmm. when we started moving manufacturing mm-hmm. over there. And so... And now it is literally designed to fall apart. Yes, yeah, de- designed That's, obsolescence. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, yeah. They talk about it with, you know, all the, all the devices, you know, yeah. like every friggin' six months there's a new iPhone. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are just like, okay, obsolete, right. on to the next and one. what a coincidence, my phone dies right around the time yeah. that it's time for the new one. Yeah, and they, they, you know, they operating systems. Like, I've got an iPad uh, that's older that Heather has, and I tried to upload. Uh, oh yeah, you can't now. Google Docs on it. Yeah. Couldn't use it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you've got to be kidding yeah. me. This yeah. thing's perfectly good. It I still works. I have a computer at home. It's like you know a twenty five hundred dollar desktop Mac. Yeah. That now I can't upload. I can't like download the newest software on it. So it, it is almost virtually obsolete it's bullshit it's fucking it still works it's i like some of the bigger stuff that's heavy that doesn't feel like you're going to drop it because i've dropped that a million times um sorry where were we at well no but what i was going to say i wanted to say i i like because this store it's like a lot of it's like a lot of clothes and it's a lot of, I mean, I, I kind of describe it to people. It's sort of like, uh, it's a bit of a man shop, you know, it's got yeah. kind of the guys, guys stuff and the beard oil and the yep. ax and the, uh, the t-shirts and stuff. Um, and it's all cool and it's all good, but it's all a little pricey. Um, but it's all worth it because it's all well-made. It was all made with good practices. It will last a long time. And it, and it's, I was learning a lot. It was, it was interesting to listen to that podcast coincidentally today, yeah. you know, um, cause I learned a lot about, I was listening and I was learning a lot about, uh, I mean, there's so much to that industry. There is so much to it. Like the retail, mostly the fashion and clothes industry was specifically mm-hmm. this, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's the same sort of thing as all the other stuff we've been talking about. It's, it's just this subliminal 
you know, onslaught of like, you just need this and you need more of it and you need the pretty stuff and it's cheap. So you're going to love it and you can buy tons of it. And like, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, I'm really, again, I'm really trying hard myself to better myself and kind of, you know, not get sucked into that is one way I'm looking at it. Like I don't want to get, but I'm trying to recognize when it's happening. I'm trying not to get pulled into it. So then it, in turn, it makes me go, it's not that much, you know, like there's a shirt downstairs that I think is awesome. And I, I'd like to have it. It's like yeah. $118, I think it's yeah. 108 or something for this beautiful button down shirt. But I'm like, I would wear the shit out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I, my daughter joked the other day, I came out in a, uh, a t-shirt that I, I wore it in New York and I wore it for like two days. And she's like, Oh, that t-shirt. I haven't seen that t-shirt before, but I love it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it's really well made. Well, I get a pair of pants and I'll wear them every day. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. Like then I'm cool the, with it. It's the reset. It's like, it's, it's like, uh, like it's what was fine. that famous guy from Apple? Uh, Steve Jobs. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> He wore like a black turtleneck and you know yeah, khakis right, right, right. like every day of his life or yeah. whatever. Like, yeah, and I don't cool. think his closet had, you know, two hundred and fifty pairs of khakis and two hundred and fifty. No. Yeah, it's probably just one good solid yeah. pair that he yeah, yeah, you know yeah. bought five of. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think my, <laughs> I think it's hard because I I always choose. The thing for me is I don't choose a business unless I'm passionate. Yeah. about it. And I've just always been that way. I can't stay in something if I'm not right. in it, yeah, like yeah. if I'm not passionate about it. And so the challenge we face with every business I cho- have chosen is education. You know, it's yeah. a big part of it. We right. have people that'll come in, they've read about the shirt in a magazine, and they buy it like that. Yeah. No conversation, no question. Yeah. They come in, they say, holy shit, you there have that shirt? Awesome. And they knew it was going to be expensive. I've been reading about yeah, it. Yeah. They knew what it costs yeah, and they yeah. just buy it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so we tend to have, that's the challenge we face. And retail is just like, all. anyone you talk to that's in retail is just yeah. all over the map. Yeah. One week you're crushing it. The next week you're like, where is everyone? Right. Are we going to make rent? Like, right. what's going on? Right. Um but at the end of the day, we have some stuff that's higher end, more expensive, and then we have some stuff that's pretty affordable, like the backpacks that we have made by Topo. Which are made is, in the U.S. Yeah. Topo designs are made in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, are pretty affordable, yeah. you know, from like the hundred to one hundred and fifty, hundred sixty dollar right. range. It's pretty decent for, for a, a backpack. Yeah, for a good backpack. Um, you know, and the quality is unbelievable to stand behind it. Um, you know, Susie from Crawford Denim, we have a lot of her stuff. She's been awesome to work with. It's all made in California. And she does like denim repair. Hmm. So I get a pair of jeans I'm going to send back to her that have a rip because I wore them every single day and she'll repair the denim. Right. So it's like slow fashion where it's like we're taking the time to make something in this country. We're paying someone a living wage. Right. The quality is high. And if something goes wrong with it, you get your money back, it gets replaced, or it gets repaired. Right. Shoe cobblers used to be on every corner. Right. The sole of your shoes went, you brought it to the shoe cobbler. You had those shoes for your lifetime. Yeah. Stuff was handed down. And that's that whole, like, they call it the heritage movement of, like, bringing things back, making a bag so good that you're going to give it to your son, your daughter. Mm. They're going to give it to their son, their daughter. And, and that's the, the change, you know, that's happening where it's just like, let's make something so damn good. Like uh, Red Wing Boots, been around a long time. Uh, our shop man, our old shop manager, Britton, had a pair 
uh, for like two or three years, sent them in, resold them. They put a brand new pair of laces in there. Right. Brand new sole. They'll go for another two to three years. And they could just keep on, you can keep on doing that. Yeah. You know, and so, again, it's just educating people. It's like, do you want to buy five pairs of jeans within a pair a year? You know, like five pairs of khakis, whatever, within a year? Or do you want to buy one good pair that's going to last you a year? Right. You know, and so when you Which do Which both cost the same amount of money. Exactly. One supported someone really well. Yeah. And another one was really part of a pretty negative practice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just educating people and, and changing their mindset and saying, yeah. okay, again, it's going to equal out to the same amount of money. Yeah. But you're going to feel a hell of a lot better yeah. about this purchase. Yeah. And you're going to understand yeah. that it's making a positive impact. Yeah. You know, they're so on your body all day. Like it's, it's kind of a big thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, you know, you and well that, have a little attachment to it. Yeah. And, and that comes back to, you know, organic cotton is another thing, you mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, like all of the, uh, baby clothing, car seats are all mm. sprayed with mm. flame retardants and things like that. So a lot of people, we just don't know. Yeah. And we don't know for a reason. It's, it's also it's, the same, pro- one of the things I learned today was also the same um, process in growing the food. Everyone's so, you know, um, becoming more conscious about GMOs and what they put into their body. But also that cotton you're wearing was still grown in, uh, in the earth and they were grown with the, you know, the cheapest possible way and the highest yield possible way, which involves GMOs and chemicals. And now you're wrapping your body in that you're wrapping your, your, your body's biggest organ, your skin yeah. in, you know, your absorbent organ in yeah. chemical laden product or, deod- dyes or deodorant, chemicals. you know, yeah, deodorant yeah. with aluminum and things yeah. like that, you know, like, so it's, I haven't used deodorant in three years. Yeah, I, I use, you know, Maine Wood Space. <laughs> Maine Wood Spice, bro, from Tom's of Maine. It's good stuff. Um, you should sell that. Do you sell that here? No, that'd no. Be, that'd be kind of a good product here, like yeah, with the should. beard oil and like kind yeah, of a good, a good deodorant. Wood Spice anything I'm good with. Right, right. It just smells good. Because <laughs> um, I'm a heritage bro, you know? Right. Uh, no, I, it's just education. I mean, if, if the thing is, is like we're that's in a, a, we're in a system that's based on profit you know, your filtered information through, you know, whatever source it is, whether it's your TV, by people that have the money to pay to advertise. Yeah. So you advertise products right. based solely on profit. They, right. they don't give a shit nope. about your well-being, like how healthy you are. It, just buy it. I They're answering to shareholders, and then everyone's fucking getting cancer. Right. We're just like, why is everyone getting cancer? Yeah. Well, it could be the food, could be the water, yeah. could be the air. Yeah. Could be the, you know, the drinks you're drinking, the food you're drinking. Like, that's the problem. And so it's like these, I mean, thank God for documentaries, you know. I know. Uh, they've changed a lot of people's lives. Yeah, they like, really have. the infiltration of Netflix yeah. and the availability of all these documentaries to just get in the internet. Like, yeah. as much as like Facebook sucks sometimes and yeah. you hate some people on it. Yeah. It's an opportunity. The flow of information yeah. now that's yeah. out there. It's a good opportunity. It's yeah, to at least, you know, uh, switch on. Yeah. You, know, you, you might have to you might have to do a little due diligence to see, you know, to, to double check to make sure. The blue or the red pill, man. Yeah, exactly. Another matrix reference for you. There you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you you just have to wake up. You just have to yeah. realize that like the system we're in does not work. You have to step outside of it and see the big picture and see it for what it is. And another cool thing you're doing is, is that you are with all of this stuff and all we're talking about and all the things you're doing is you are 
you're also living your life. You know what I mean? You're also like a great guy. You're doing really good things for a lot of people. You've got two kids. Uh, yeah. Third on the way. Oh, right on. I did yeah. not know that. Congratulations. Yep. What did she do? Uh, he, Oh. Yeah. oh, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I meant uh, she as in your oh. wife. Like, when are you guys due? <laughs> uh, September 27th. Oh, is cool. a, it's a scheduled scheduled C-section. Oh, so you do know. You know, know. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Because we have giant kids because I'm so big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your wife's big then. <laughs> no, you never say that to a pregnant woman. We were just talking yeah, right. about that this morning. She actually posted something on Facebook about it because people are just so rude. Oh, yeah. It's usually people that have been pregnant before that'll come in. She cuts hair like part time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Target. Well, she, they come in, they're like, oh, you're big. You've gotten so big. And you're just like, dude, I would never yeah. say that. To, you should never say that to anyone. <laughs> like, why would you ever say that? Oh, you've gained weight. No Thanks. one wants, like, Thanks. everyone's body conscience, <laughs> you know, conscious, you know, like, you wouldn't want to hear that. And yeah. Just people are rude, man. They just yes. say the most. It's part of that industry too, the the you know the haircutting oh industry. God, yeah. People are just like yeah, yeah. they're all about looks, you know, yeah. like and so they just say the most bullshit stuff. Yes, yes, that's for sure. But I but anyway, I do like that, you know, like you're living it, you're doing it, you're you you um you tackle it, you know, like a lot of people I think a lot of people go through their life and that's kind of one of the concepts of this like this whole podcast is given give people an opportunity to meet someone like you where you know they they just kind of go if they listen to this whole podcast, they're just like, shit, fucking, he did that. And he did that. And you know, and he's married, he's got kids and he spends time with his family and he cares about the people who work for him. And so I can do it too. You yeah. And I, mean? I think that at the end of the day, like you just have to fucking go for it. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you're going to fail. Exactly. I failed so many times yeah. and you know, I, there's, I still have struggles. I still haven't figured it out. Yeah. I'm not a millionaire. Right. You know, like, you just have to do what makes you happy. Yep. And if you're passionate about something, pursue it. Yep. You're going to fail. We all fail, but you just are going to learn from that failure. Exactly. You can either you can either dive real deep down in that failure and never dig yourself out or, or you can just, just dig yourself yeah. out and come out the other end, yeah, which is what most people step. do. Yeah. yeah. Like the like failure is a step. Oh yeah, failure it's going to happen. One of your steps. Exactly. It's going to happen, but you yeah. cannot be scared to fail. You cannot let life go by based on decisions and yeah. basing your decisions on fear. Yeah. Cause then, know, like, cause then, then what's the answer? The answer is you just, you don't do anything. Yeah. It's just, you don't like who are you living for. You're, you're incapacitated. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, uh, what do I do? I don't want to do that. Cause if I do that, then this will happen. But if I do that, I, you know, I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> this is nice. Yeah. I know the, I know <laughs> this is nice. This is real nice. <laughs> I know what could happen from day to day. Yeah, this nothing. is safe. This is safe, yeah. but fuck it. Go out and fail, and then you can always go back to the comfort of doing yeah. what I'm what finding doing is before. what I'm finding. It's like it's way more fun. Yeah, it's more fun. Yeah, it's fun to just try something. Like when I started doing this podcast, I and mean, I've done a lot of stuff, but I've definitely had my. It, I mean, that's one of the things that I was jealous. I was like the jealousy thing about you. It was like, man, this guy Ryan, man, this guy fucking bites shit off, and he does it. And I love it. And we all have. It. We all see that. other people yeah, doing yeah. stuff, and we all feel this. Yeah, the same but it was way. it was one, and it was so it was one of the things in my you know, in my growth path, when I wanted to do this podcast, um, Leah, like we talked about the first one, but when I, before I went to go do the first one, she was just like, she's like, you know, like, where are your notes? Where are your, like, you know, like, are you ready? Are you prepared? And I was like, nope. 
I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. I've never done this before. I've never done anything like this before, but I'm just going to go do it because I, I know cool it's about, just going to happen. About podcasts. Yeah. And, and, and I, I got turned on because a friend, you know, told me about like Joe Rogan, which is just kind of a funny podcast and it's more like free form, like bros talking, but yeah. like, it's just shooting the shit. Right. And it's a natural progression right. and stuff comes out. Yeah. But it's just we're all human yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, and it's it's natural. You don't need notes. You could have a couple points yeah. you want to hit and maybe yeah. memorize those. But yeah. really, it's just free form. I think the first time I ever brought notes to a podcast, I literally didn't look at them once. Yeah, because then it's just like you're breaking eye contact. You're like awkward silence. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. What's up? I just you know I just I've I've come to the point too. Like with my age and stuff, I've just come to the point where I just I don't care either. Yeah. Like I don't care. I don't care what you think. I don't care what everyone, you know, anyone else thinks. I'm just like, I'm just going for it. You, you got to. Yeah. You can't, again, you can't live in fear and you can't live based on what other people, how other people per- perceive you. Yeah. I mean, you got to be no a, good, a good person. Obviously, you can't yeah. be a total crappy person, but yeah. I mean, you just got to go for it. Yeah. But you're going to do that and you're going to find that, uh, that you're going to get your happiness out of uh, being the good person. You know, you're going to get, because if I'm a good person, I'm kind of helping, mm-hmm. you know? So if I'm helping, I'm going to feel good. Oh yeah. You know, that's, yep. that's kind of one of the, the biggest keys to happiness for sure. Serving. Yeah. All right, brother. Right on. Love you, baby. Good time, man. Yeah. Love you too. That was cool. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime. And uh, you're going to do good things. You I too, saw man. like in the middle of this, I was like, Oh, I can actually picture Ryan in politics. Yeah, I can yeah. picture you in like local politics. <clears throat> Don't least. tell my wife. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? <laughs> oh, and, and I'm going to have the retail store and Mr. Fox. Yeah, I'm only yeah. adding it. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not I, I, I don't anything. know. <laughs> I, I think when I get a little, a little older, you know, I, I've yeah. been on, I've been on the board of Share Strengths for for some years, yeah. which is a they they have a campaign called No Kid Hungry. Cool. And every year we do the, the event called Taste of the Nation. So they're raising money for childhood hunger. And yeah. so, you know, that event will raise money for the New Hampshire Food Bank, which will then do uh, courses called Cooking Matters, where they go oh, into sweet. schools or community centers and they do a program where they teach people how to cook from mm-hmm. scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, usually low-income areas where yeah. most people are living off of uh, food benefits, SNAP benefits, um, or food stamps. And um, a lot of single moms, you know, where they don't have a lot of time to prepare food. And so you get taught about nutrition. So they have a nutritionist mm-hmm. there, and then they have a chef there. So I've, I've gotten to be the, the chef oh, cool. uh, for three courses. Yeah. And it's... Um, it's just an amazing program and what really hits you is that at the end of the course, well, first of all, in the beginning, you're seeing all the fighting between the moms and the kids who are yep. spread so thin yep. and don't get to see each other enough. And then slowly they become closer and closer yeah, and they start yeah. working together in the kitchen that's, better. That's one of the lessons um, This brings us together. But then also at the end of the class, there's always food left over. Like you know, from making mm-hmm. the food, they everyone gets a ration mm-hmm. of the actual uh, recipe you made, so they can go home and make it. Um, but there's always leftovers, and people there's never any left, you know. So like, it just shows you that there's this level of people struggling. You know, yeah. we think we've got it got it rough. Yeah. Oh yeah. But there's always a, a level of people that are suffering even more, oh, and they yeah. can't afford organic food. Yeah. But I mean. That's also what's cool with this 
the SNAP benefits and what some of these local farmers markets have been doing where they're matching and doing like two to one. So you come to a farmer's market and your your money's worth twice as much oh, if you sweet. buy it at the farmer's market to oh, kind of educate people about local food. Um, but even that process is overwhelming. Yeah. You know, like going to a, a farmer's market for the first time, you know, yeah. when you're used to just going to the, the supermarket. Um, this is maybe another podcast yeah. uh, entirely, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I look at that board position. And I wish I had more time. Yeah. Um. So I look at a lot of that stuff as I get older. When stuff's a little more settled. And stuff's a little more settled. settled. My kids are a little older, yeah. uh, having more time for stuff like that because yeah. it's really important and it's needed. Yeah. But you should. You'd bring a just, fresh. Just not fresh enough hours in the in the day yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. I feel that. I want to talk to you more about um, off air, perhaps, but about the uh, about that program. Yeah. Because we're looking. Um, um, I'm not meaning to announce anything, but I'm looking to um, do a little um, event and I want, I want to find a place to raise money for. And mm-hmm. I was thinking of a bigger, more national one, but maybe a more local one would be a better idea. And it was around food and the kids. Food, the and, food bank is great. The yeah. New Hampshire food bank is great. That, that program like cooking cool. matters is, is, is excellent. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm not a chef. I've, I've done, I've cooked, I cooked yeah, growing up yeah. and like, you know, Burgers and yeah. hot dogs, Fourth of July, doing uh, lobster rolls at the Weatherman Seafoods. Right, right, right. Um, but it was just basic stuff, you yeah. know, teaching the kids knife skills, letting the kids use knives. But it's just really important to be able to to help out people that are yeah. not There's as well kind off. Also, a cool element of it um, where you, uh, not being a chef, can still do it. Then, then oh yeah! See, it's like oh, it's not rocket science. It's not that yeah. I can do it. It is yep. easy. And like, yeah, yeah. And they also they they do think it's cool too. They get kind of starstruck when an actual chef comes in too, because right. a lot of the local chefs will do it in other communities. But it's just a great program, and I just don't think uh, it's just another thing people just aren't aware of. We're just yeah. we're just again, we just have the blinders on. We're not aware of so many things, and and it's just being able to slow down and, and get educated and being able to find the time to, to find that information. So that, that's kind of the challenge is just yeah. being able to slow down the pace to be open and yeah. receive that information. You got it. And we'll end it with like, that's you. That's a good, that's a good example of you um, being uh, like not taking on too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're doing a really good job at having a good impact with for comparatively speaking, quite a bit of stuff, but you're smart enough to know, I'm not ready to take that off because that would that would dilute all this. Yeah, well, six days a week is cool. working is, yeah, is, is plenty cool. for me. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a day off. Yeah. All right, brother. Yep. Appreciate it. Yeah. Peace. Thanks. Peace out. <laughs>